Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. afternoon wherever in the heck in the world you are it's one and all of you the grill economist coming to you live on the geostrategic hour with the man of the hour himself matthew errett he needs no introduction at this point if you don't know who he is you've been living under a rock matt's been writing for all sorts of perennial prominent uh, news sites all across the web as well as his own work you could find directly at the canadian patriot.com as well as the rising tide foundation.net Go there for all of Matthew's work as well as his Substack. Make sure you subscribe, 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 subscribe to Matthew's Substack. Donate to his endeavors, his works. You're supporting the work that he is doing and, and by promoting the multipolar world, the real solutions for humanity that is human-centric, civilization-oriented, and future-focused. And with that being said, Matthew, how are you, buddy? Great plugs. Yeah, great. How are you like guys that. doing? Dude, that was live. That was off the cuff, man. I didn't even rehearse that. <laughs> oh, you got skills. skills. Bro, you know, very, people don't understand this, Matt. They they think this announcing stuff is easy. They don't they don't get it. it no, I've a, tried it, I've tried doing it. I flub it almost every time. It's uh, <laughs> I really admire this now. It's like they say, you know, you can't really uh, appreciate a good piano performance unless you really try to play the piano and then you can really sort sort of appreciate what's happening. Yep. It's it's like that with with announcing to you. I, I totally there get you. you. There yeah, you go. it's a skill. <laughs> I'm I'm the pitch man. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a lot going on. CJ's working the airways, making sure the broadcast coming out crispy and clean. He's doing his thing, working the dilithium crystals and the flux capacitors. And with that being Great. said, Matt, where do you want to begin, bro? Well, I was thinking that uh, the the theme I wanted to sort of hold in uh, in the back of the mind for all of the audience listening is the idea of perceptions versus reality as the theme. But I think the uh, the elements of the the strategic situation that are worth unpacking and, and just seeing where it goes is, on the one hand, the delusional perceptions of the unipolarists who are, who've been making some interesting and stupid changes in their strategizing over the past couple of weeks yeah. um, since they decided to pull back a little bit on their full frontal attack plans on Russia that could have easily have degenerated quickly into World War III. And we've seen now a, a bit of a shift since the G7, the, the NATO summit, and the Biden-Putin meeting. And I, I figured also uh, we'd want to probably touch a little bit upon some of the developments around the domestic terror uh, bill advances that we've been oh, seeing yeah. now also coming out of that process and the attacks on free speech and other things that are being, you know, they're basically pushing for something heavy inside of the United States itself, as well as in the broader part of the transatlantic here in Canada, Europe as well. So That's I figured we could just one. touch on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, one of the things that came to my mind when you were mentioning it is the FBI <laughs> app that the, <laughs> that the FBI developed, Matt, 
called Anon. Did you see that ad? No, no. Okay, I didn't. so you heard about the story though, right? Um, no. Oh, dude. Go for it. What is it? CJ, pull this up. Google this, Siege. And if you think uh, Joe Rogan's got Jamie, Jamie's got nothing on CJ. CJ, are you ready for this? Uh, pull up FBI anonymous app organized crime. We're just FBI anonymous app. Watch this story, man. This is crazy. And CJ, if you can just okay. blast that onto the screen. This is insane. This is... um. Freaky Boys International, the FBI, they created an app called Anon. And then they told their, their basically informants to, hey, hey, you know, go spread this to your organized criminal network buddies and tell them to start utilizing this as an anonymous oh, way to communicate. Right. Yeah, but so that, all that, these actually, yeah. that worked, right? Yeah, that, that, it worked. And all these idiots yeah. thought it was so anonymous, they're downloading it from their Apple <laughs> app stores and their <laughs> Google Play stores. That right there should have been clue number one, morons. <laughs> and they're downloading it and they're like sharing, yes. We will go ahead, and we will we will vax this person, and he will be killed. You know, and 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 all these text messages of of, of drug trafficking and hit jobs, and next you know they did a massive sting operation, and and hundreds of people got arrested. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it was okay. so ridiculous, and it's funny because this is what they do. You know, they find the most low IQ ilk. Like for instance, you know, being from New York, we had the the infamous Newberg Seven, right? These were seven of the most low IQ individuals you'll ever meet in your life. They, these are seven black guys who were radicalized into going into a mosque. That was the mosque is filled with FBI informants from the imam on down, and they radicalized this guy to go ahead and 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 um, you know what you do you know what you need to do? You need to go and to shoot down American airplanes that are coming into LaGuardia and JFK. You need to go shoot them down. Yeah, how are we gonna do that? How are we going to go shoot down the airplanes? Don't worry. We will have a great plan. Allah Akbar. Here is a rocket launcher. You will use the rocket launcher. You will see the plane come over the head. You make the pointing of the rocket launcher. You yeah. put the, pull the trigger. Boom. Plane gun. Allah Akbar. Allah Snakbar. Allah Allah. It's all done. It's Bismillah. Yeah. And so these guys took the rocket launchers. They're hanging out. <laughs> they're hanging out. <laughs> hanging out at JFK or Stewart Airport. One of those airports in New York. And next thing you know, as they're taking the locker, rocket launcher up, FBI shows up. Arrest them, and boom, look what we did. Great job. We prevented terror. And they've done this with the Chicago 7. It's always a 7, right? <laughs> the New York 7, the Chicago 7. <laughs> I mean, they're doing it all over the country. They're finding low IQ morons to do this. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and in fact, I think that in that particular case, the, uh, the judge that was presiding over the case of the Newburg 7 even ruled that the evidence of FBI, not only informants, but also control of the entire situation, the planning of it, uh, was so egregious that it, I don't know if the case was thrown out or something, but I, the judge even something. made a statement on that. Yeah, and yeah, like one, one of the, one of the key FBI, uh, planners who was like organizing all of the rocket launches, the planning, the ideas, everything, uh, offered, uh, openly $250,000 to the, uh, these poor guys who just didn't know anything, you know, they're just easily radicalized, but there's so many cases. And that was yeah. even brought up in the, uh, there, there was, um, a Fordham University report in 2013 that had that as one of the 132 cases of terror attacks that were prevented by the FBI. Oh it's a 2013 God. study, and I can't find the actual study anymore. I used to know where, like it used to be available online. I've only now got it on the nation reporting about it, but it's been scrubbed. 
But this study basically evaluated every single case of all 132 or 137 cases of FBI uh, events stopping terrorist incidences. And every single one, there were there were FBI informants on the inside, and the majority of them were not just informants. Because you know, you could say it's le- it could be legitimately argued that you you should have informants if there's legitimate uh, concerns for terrorist groups. You, you, yeah, sure. In get people inside, figure out what's going on, undo it. Sure. If it's a legitimate thing. But what the, what the inquiry actually found out was that these were not just informants. These were people who were planning out just like your case, the Newburgh seven. I thought it was the Newburgh four. Anyway, seven, um, they, they were the one, they, the FBI operatives were actually providing the blueprints, the bomb making equipment, the instructions on how to do it, the plans to carry it out and the recruitment of dumb, young, usually dumb young people uh, who are just easily radicalizable. Um, So, I mean, this is where it gets very, very uh, difficult because where are the legitimate cases of domestic terrorism that we're being told we have to amend the first or, you know, cancel the First Amendment over the right to free speech uh, and permit these complete expansions of the Patriot Act onto American citizens that override the U.S. Constitution. So where are the cases? Because if I could find legitimate cases of it organically, naturally arising, you could say, okay, maybe there could be an argument there. But I, everywhere you look, th- it fails the litmus test. It's always uh, contrived completely. And, and we even had this in in Canada too. It's not like a, just a U.S. problem. Like just in you know 2016, I, I recently wrote about these two young, this young couple, very low IQ, living in uh, Vancouver, who were uh, radicalized by um, an operation for over a year. Every single person amongst the 13 or so who are part of this bomb making plot to to explode something on Canada Day um, in a public center. It was a one-year operation to recruit them, radicalize them, uh, provide every everybody but them were part of the RCMP. Everybody, <laughs> not just. <laughs> uh, so you got no quizzes there. No, exactly. And you got cases like this in Europe. Um, I I think that what makes this even more relevant is that now we're seeing since the day Biden got in, there was already discussion about expanding domestic terrorist legislation uh, to clamp down on this plague of white supremacy that we saw explode under Donald Trump. Um, Other, you know, all conspiracy theorists that uh, doubt their government over COVID or global warming, they doubt global warming. All of these things are now, they run contrary to the collective good, the greater good. And so because they are so, these, these opinions that radicalize people or cast doubt uh, and 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 uh, lose cause people to lose faith in vaccines or their government um, these things are are a danger to the public good and thus they shouldn't be protected by the First Amendment um, and should be even categorized as domestic terrorism so this is now what we're seeing from a 32 page document just about seven days ago that was released Biden signature saying okay here are the steps that we have to take before we go into legislation mode. Um, and it's very concerning, uh, especially considering the fact that many of the the types of analysts that they've been bringing up have been making the point that they believe that everybody who supported Trump is a white supremacist. And in fact, all white people are white supremacists. It's it's built They're into all the inherently DNA. Racist, Everybody's inherently racist. Unless, unless the white person is a trans, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQ uh, hyphen, elemental mm. PQRS, TUV. Then, then there's fine. 
you're only get it get a jail free card yeah only that <laughs> but but beyond that no it's it's exactly and so part of the the thing i want to talk about that uh that that I think is really interesting. I think at this point, most of the viewers watching this are already aware of this report that was done. Um, I think it was covered first by by Tucker Carlson. It was a Revolver News report um, that documented some serious questions that should be posed regarding the um, the Janu January sixth uh, so called insurrection of the Capitol that that forever changed the course of U.S. history. And uh, I'm guessing you, you've probably already spoken about this many times on, on your show with other, other uh, uh, you know. Anyway, this, this Revolver News thing, it, it's a very good report. It's really, really sharp. And they basically just point out the anomalies that we have. Um, something like over 20 unindicted conspirators. Oh, my who, God. It's ridiculous. Yeah. People who who were part of the the worst of the, the violence that was filmed on that day. Um, but not just the violence part, but also the planning, the planning, the carrying out, the bringing in the buses, the the ordering of hotels for different Proud Boys members. Dude, it was a multi-million dollar operation. People don't is. understand this. CJ, I sent you the link with the revolver. If you could pull that up, yeah, the uh, it's it, it, it's a multi-million dollar. I, I estimate anyway between you know five to fifteen million dollars it took to to pull off an operation like this with the with just the logistics alone, Matt. Oh my God! Easily, easily, and and it, it, they ask just basic questions like, to what extent were the groups infiltrated by agents and informants? That's the that's an honest question that should be asked because these are people who who participated. They were not indicted, but they were obviously very active in this whole process, a multi million dollar process, like you just said. That did that money didn't come from nowhere. Um, there were logistical planners. How many FB, uh, federal uh, agents were present, and what role did they play in the events of of the uh, the sixth? Um, among the, the unindicted conspirators, how many worked for the federal government? Those are the basic questions. And then they just pull up, pull up a series of anomalies, including some of the texts that were being ma uh, managed by these unindicted conspirators, several of them, which were like, you know, burn all liberals. Like they were, they were really trying to rabble rouse and, and turn, turn people into a frenzy. Now, as, as we, I think all know, when you actually look at that day and you look at the different recordings, um, we were given a giant psyop. The majority of people who walked into the Capitol and who were given consequently months and years of uh, of prison sentences, their lives were ruined. These were not people who generally stormed or did any violence. They walked in, they were obeying the little felt uh, tourist cords as they were like walking in, taking pictures. They weren't doing any violence. No. They walked out after like a, you know, but there, there were, you know, one guy sat on Nancy Pelosi's chair, and, and he, got he's gone. He's 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 going to prison for seven years. He's uh, yeah. They they he expend he expended his entire uh, life savings. His mm -hmm. family sold their homes and their possessions just for a legal defense, and they lost it all. Financial oh, yeah. ruin. But meanwhile, BLM and Antifa could riot, cause yeah. two point five billion dollars worth of damage, uh, kill over thirty or over. I'm sorry, over fifty lives have been have been ruined and killed by mm -hmm. them. Okay, 50 people lost their lives. Over 700 cops have been injured. Okay, mm -hmm. that's okay. But that's yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, the, the, the hypocrisy is, is really astounding. Um, and no, I mean, I'm not even going to go into that, but it's it's just, it's astounding. But so, so what you have is an obvious case of a track record going back many, many decades of the FBI, going back to the days of COINTELPRO, where the, you know, this is something that was cooked up as a way to infiltrate and undo uh, different civil rights movements, Martin Luther King's movement, uh, you know, the uh, 
Fred Hampton's Black Panthers, like what Fred Hampton was trying to do by reorganizing the thinking of the, the Black Panthers into something a lot more um, potent than the anarchist sort of tendency that the FBI was pushing it towards. Um, his assassination was definitely carried out uh, and orchestrated by uh, FBI operatives within his own entourage. Uh, but but COINTELPRO was a way to undermine by infiltration and radicalization of groups that would otherwise be much more potent, you know, and were a threat to the deep state that was taking over over the dead bodies of people like John F. Kennedy at that time. So we have something going back a very long time. It expands beyond the, the limits of the United States itself. We saw this in the case of Canada uh, during the 1960s, where you had sort of like a weather underground type of operation. The weather underground was another one of these, you know, contrived organizations that was, uh, you know, putting bombs all over the all over the place uh, to undo capitalism and create a, some weird uh, globalist utopia. Um, but we had similar things in Quebec during the 1960s of the uh, Front de Libération de Québec. Um, are you guys still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I just sometimes my my internet cuts out and I get worried. But but this is something which was discovered uh, in the 1970s, where where you know hundreds of bombs were put all over Quebec. Um, some serious serious damage was done, and a lot of these young LSD dropping youth were all absorbed into these anarchist groups of of local cells. And what was discovered a few years into the 70s was that these were all organized by the RCMP. The RCMP were caught red-handed spraying like FLQ on government buildings. They were taking bombs, bomb-making material from the the RCMP vaults that, that were going missing. And that yeah. was finding itself into these different groups. And th this is what led into the assassination of one of our, our last nationalist leaders in Quebec uh, in 1970, Pierre Laporte. It led to martial law. For a month, nobody was allowed to leave their you homes know, it's interesting in all of Quebec. You bring this up, Matthew, and this is yep. what's kind of disturbing uh, to mm -hmm. me because there's a lot of uh, corroborating uh, patterns here. Recently, it was divulged uh, about a week ago that there are missing ordinances from United States military bases, handguns, uh, rocket launchers, mm. um, bombs, grenades are missing. Okay, mm. uh, they, they just went missing about a week or two ago. Uh, this has been reported out. The question becomes is this, I mean, think, you know, weapons are like money. It never goes missing. It never disappears. It's only transferred from one hand to the next. Is something about to happen in the United States? And I think the, the propensity for this to actually occur within this country is actually exponentially greater now than ever before. You know, I, I think uh, yeah. I think we're going to see one of these weapons pop up somewhere and all of a sudden it's going to be. Billy Jones Smith from uh, Arkansas, what he did, he blew up a federal building and that's why we're going to take... White people are the problems, and we need to come down with anti-white supremacy laws and racism. Let him to do this. Well, here, here's two things, right? Um, be, because one of the things that that grew out of, and this will tie into exactly what you just said, but growing out of the the spotlight of international press, we're covering the Quebec case, for example, yeah. of the RCMP doing the uh, controlling the different FLQ terror cells, and the publicity was so bad that it resulted in. Um, that department of the RCMP being uh, moved over in the creation of a new organization in 1983 called uh, CSIS, which was sort of, it became kind of like the Canadian CIA um, under the control of, uh, of uh, Pitfield, who was uh, sort of the, the, the head of the Privy Council office. He was uh, Pierre Trudeau's uh, shadow. And uh, CSIS went on it's got a track record uh, burning its documents where it had, uh, you know, you had the Air India 
uh, plane crash that killed 300 people in the 1980s. Yeah, that was like, what, the 90s or the late 80s? In the 80s, 80, 85 yeah. or so. Yeah. And yeah. all of the uh, the film, all of the uh, the recording, uh, thousands of hours of recordings were all burned immediately that CSIS was conducting. Um, we know that there's a lot of international terror groups that have been harbored here in uh, in Canada, just like that's why they call like Britain Londonistan because right. it's the uh, it, 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 was it, the, the it was the Sikh separatist group supposedly, yeah, right? It was a Sikh, ra- yeah, exactly. And they were and radicalized, and then yeah. and everything was all cool, and then all of a sudden, right after that Air India bombing, boom, yeah. whatever sort of a uh, uh, liberty movement that occurred in uh, or, or freedom movement that occurred in in, in Punjab in India, they immediately started cracking down. It was a violent. Mm-hmm. Slaughter, a hateful yes. slaughter, yep, uh, of of the Sikhs, and it turned out that it was it was just a giant false flag, but Canadian intel. Yeah, 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 Anglo Anglo Canadian, Anglo Canadian, exactly, and uh, and and this is what what continued on. So it these are hubs for an international strategy. There's no such thing as a British localized strategy or Canadian or a or a, an American uh, national. Um, sorry, oui, oui. national. Uh, Uh, there's no such thing as 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 a national localized terror strategy it's something that's part of a broader geopolitical game internationally and it always serves a higher purpose so even going into the 90s it was discovered that uh the guy who set up the heritage front the biggest white nationalist movement in canada was a a csis operative uh uh what's his name oh i'm forgetting his name brock something but but this guy was and continued to be, he set it up and founded it with Canadian taxpayer money to absorb and just attract, but also probably radicalize the most racist, ignorant people into a controlled environment where they actually carried out hate crimes, which then justified, of course, all sorts of legislation to crack down on civil liberties, which I saw no reason to, to believe that that stopped. We saw similar things inside of the United States going into the 1990s. Um, we had, uh, cases where, what's his name? Uh, you know, the, the first world trade center bombing, which was carried out by, uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, oh, Ahmed Salem. Ahmed Salem was an Egyptian officer yep. who was an FBI informant yep. who he recorded cause he thought it was so ch- shady. He had his FBI. He handler. thought it was so stupid. He was like, yeah. this doesn't make sense. Egyptian Ahmed Salem. He was like. These guys, they're not making any sort of sense. Let me know them. And he's providing, you know, he's being told to to provide tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, bomb making again, equipment instructions. He's renting the van for uh, uh, Mohammed Salome, who's actually the guy who's the selected sheet. to carry out the thing. Yep, yep. Um, and he's the whole time he's, he's saying, OK, now it's the time for you guys to swing in and do something. You should do something. You should do something. It's yep. getting closer. And the whole time. Uh, he's being like, just, it's being, it's just dragging on. So he's like, okay, I'm going to record this. And he releases it finally to the press after the thing happens. Yep. Just to like try to absolve himself and get across that. Look, I tried to, uh, <laughs> I got the information out there. Um, they, they chose to allow it to happen. And in fact, they directed the whole thing, the, 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 the FBI. Um, but this justified then legislation that Biden later on after the, and, and the, a few months later, you had the Timothy McVeigh thing, which is another very shady event. In, in Oklahoma. But then right after that, that's when Joe Biden puts in his big omnibus counter-terror bill in 1994, which at the time you still had uh, some patriots within, within the Democratic Party and even the Republican Party who said, okay, that's a little bit too much. Um, and they, they shot it down. It didn't pass into legislation. But Biden celebrated in 2001. He was happy because, and he actually boasted 
that uh, the Patriot Act was essentially almost word for word what his 1994 omnibus bill was after 9-11 to expand domestic terror and spying and infiltration and all of that stuff into American citizens. Uh, and, and the, you know, that, that was his baby. I mean, that's what he was assigned to do. So, you know, and we're not even talking about the, the fact that let's not get into 9-11 here. I think it's been talked to death and I think everyone kind of knows that it was not the official narrative is not what happened. Um, but now we have going forward, um, a script that has no longer worked anymore, right? So we we know internationally they tried really hard to advance while, while they were creating these local internal uh, radical groups that were all controlled since the 60s. Um, inside of the, the transatlantic, you also had the creation of Western-sponsored radical jihadi groups. We saw this big time coming out of the 1970s after Zbigniew Brzezinski really started promoting or using the Islamic card to undermine the Soviet Union by pouring U.S. dollars into radical madrasas that would radicalize groups for jihad, um, you know, but this also was used with the help of certain on-the-ground Saudi, Saudi intelligence, uh, you know, other other groups inside of Turkey as well later on uh, provided a lot of useful assistance. Pakistan pl- provided some assistance at different times in the 80s um, towards this this whole geopolitical maneuver, which really, really became useful to this these creeps after 9-11. That's when it really became useful. Um, but we know that that script stopped working at a certain point. And I think that the the 2013 unveiling of the Belt and Road Initiative, as well as the 2015 intervention by Putin into the Middle East, uh, actually demonstrated what a real counter-terror policy can do successfully to, to stop a, a regime change from happening and to cut off the supply lines of these different groups that we're getting all, and they continue to get, but a, at a highly reduced rate now, uh, support from, from the West. Um, Biden at a weird coherent moment, or maybe he was insane. It was a, it was maybe a delusional moment in in 2014. He even said, like he admitted it in a speech that Turkey and, and Saudi Arabia, but I think he pointed at Turkey and Qatar were uh, the uh, a big supporters of ISIS. And uh, he had to later on come on, you know, a few days later, apologize, saying, "I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry." <laughs> he just didn't realize that people were listening to him. Um, now. Uh, so this is this is generally well known, and so this this program to continue this this agenda was was really blocked by China's unveiling of a, a real policy that could restore construction, development, and hope to the Middle East and Africa, which had been radicalized for many generations under poverty, desperation, and these these foreign intelligence you know operations. You know what's sick, man? It's mm. like you you and I see the entire board game being played out and on the on the global stage, especially in the multipolar world, as right now. Or countries that never had options before in Africa and in the Middle East. Now there's options. Now there's opportunities. Now there's growth. Now there's development. And there's a, yeah. a, an amazing, amazing, beautiful change when I see the lives of people that are touched and transformed by this amazing thing called the called the One Belt One Road Initiative, called the Multipolar yeah. World, called whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's also on the flip side, amazing to witness that the same characters, the same entities that have been running roughshod throughout the world, creating chaos and chaos and 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 and, and different groups, right? They're pitting mm-hmm. Shiites against Sunnis and 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 uh, and um, you know Turks against um, Kurds and all this other you know uh, and Azeris and all these other things, right? So they're creating all these subdivisions, all this identity politics. And they create that chaos in order to rob, rape, and pillage a country of its resources. Now, isn't it amazing 
that ever since the Russia and China has gut checked these guys in a big, major, 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 three majors, major way, right? That now they have turned their entire sights on the last thing left for them before the whole system goes pop. That is their own country. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that crazy? No, it, it makes so much, and it, it's it's lawful in a, in a in a certain way when you get into the headspace of these creeps. Um, be, because like right now, they 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 don't have a lot to hold on to. All of the former things a decade ago that they had confidence that they could control, most of it is gone. So they're trying to clamp down and double down on what they what little they can hold on to, which is in their own backyard, kind of, but not really. Even that's slipping, as we saw with, I mean, the very fact that Donald Trump was elected itself was supposed to be an impossibility you shouldn't they after 40 50 years of globalization and this 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 growing parasitical deep state there should not have been any type of anomalies like that that were capable so they've discovered and there's a certain amount of a lot of insecurity about this that there's a a lot more resistance than they realized within the united states within their own backyard as well um, which is which is what exactly you're saying right now. They're trying to really clamp down on that and just snuff out whatever type of resistance is possible. And that's why this Revolver news piece was so interesting because they they went into how the um, what was it the 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 right the uh, the FBI um, uh, office the the Washington FBI office uh, bureau chief. I'm forgetting his name. Um, but his former position was as the Michigan FBI bureau chief and presided he there presided over the attempted uh, kidnapping of governor um, um, Michigan governor Whit- the, Whit- uh, Whitnam or what was her name? Yeah. Stephen uh, Gretchen Whitmer. That's okay, it. There it is. Yeah. 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 And it was crazy guys. Dent- Dentuono, who was the FBI bureau chief for in Michigan. Um, at the time completely that they destroyed that oversaw yeah, total stage, and the revolver news piece just gets across that this guy, um, while he was doing that, the, this operation involved something like 16 or 17 people, of which five guaranteed at least were FBI operatives. And these were not people who infiltrated again, these were people who radicalized this young, poor, idiot kid. I mean, kid, this young guy who was just at the bottom of the barrel, like kicked out of his girlfriend's home, living at the, in the basement of like a, an appliance repair shop or something, um, which is where this master plan was, was hatched that involved tens of thousands of dollars of explosives and and other equipment that this guy obviously didn't have. And five people were, were controllers of this whole plot from the get go that was then foiled. And as a reward for, for this plot, having been foiled, the FBI chief was then sent to Washington to oversee the January 6th, 2021 uh, storming of the Capitol that has all of these anomalies in it. So, and, and all of these things are being used as precedent to say, okay, if you're a conspiracy theorist, if you doubt the government, uh, these are all uh, the potential reasons why you could be labeled a domestic terrorist and have various operations deployed against you uh, that are outside of your constitutional protections. Um, and increasingly, you know, like I'm, I'm sitting in traffic more than I used to be these days. And I find myself sometimes listening to some liberal, uh, you know, voices like NPR radio, and it, it turns your gut sometimes to listen to this stuff, but you want to see how people are being conditioned because they're doing predictive programming. And they spent a whole day talking about the limits of free speech just the other day. And they had dozens of legal scholars from Harvard and Yale and everything. Come on talking about how the old idea of free speech enshrined in the first amendment 
is no longer applicable to the new age of crisis and crisis management, where we oh. have like these existential threats um, and opinions are now dangerous that deny, um, you know, the official narratives of COVID or the, you know, the government narrative of uh, what happened on, in January in the Capitol or, or global warming. They say those three specifically are the greatest threats if you doubt those. And so one of the arguments that I, I, I had to laugh at is that they say, well, you know, and there were several scholars and, and, a, and a CFR think tank that also pu published something on this. They said, you know, our current idea of free speech comes from uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, the Supreme Court justice. And uh, and they say, well, you know, he was of the view later on in life after meeting. And they, they, they actually mentioned that it, his former idea of he was very anti free speech for most of his career. And it was only when he started hanging out in uh, I think it's called the, uh, the the House of Truth which was this like Fabian Society roundtable group in, in Washington, D.C. Um, at his house. It's actually his house became the House of Truth, where yeah. you had uh, Fabian Society leader Harold Lasky, um, who was a part of that. He was then a teacher at Harvard. You had uh, uh, Walter Lippmann, um, the, the, you know, the, the liberal globalist himself, uh, Felix Frankfurter, a whole bunch of these like liberal enlightened Road scholars and, and and Fabians who were all converged there that he was participating in these discussions and then he had this revolutionary reawakening and he realized that no there there is something called the marketplace of ideas and by allowing uh, just like the free markets right you just allow everybody to have their personal uh, freedom to pursue their vices and pleasures and then somehow yeah. the the markets will self organize and to, and will create wealth as good ideas are put to the test with bad ideas. And since good always beats bad is the formula, uh, good will ultimately always win. And then we're going to be moving towards a society of enlightened reason. Now, the reality is very different. Um, just, you know, That's not actually how things work um, because there are empires that have a lot of resources to promote and corrupt consciously um, victim target populations into adopting bad ideas that will destroy them. And that's the, always the design. So, we'll, you know, the, Oliver Wendell Holmes's very idea was, or his his defense of free speech uh, as a marketplace of ideas was itself built on really, really flimsy grounds. Like that's not a good defense for why free speech is that. We do all have the right to free speech. The first amendment is true, but that's a bad defense of it because it, there's a ton of holes. Um, and you know, one could say, okay, if there was really a legit crisis, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, if, if you were living, let's say in the bubonic plague of the 14th century and you yeah. had these like, um, you know, flagellants, uh, whipping themselves bloody and walking from town to town after they have the plague and like spreading it and, and like every third person is dying around you and they're throwing bodies in the water. Okay. If that was a provable thing that was that everybody could understand, um, and was, was maybe, not even maybe those people should not have the right to do that. Their liberty to like flagellate, spread the plague, throw bodies in the water. That should not be there. Okay, fine. Right. But if you're living in a world where we have these manufactured fake crises, that's a different story. And this is the world we live in. Now, Walt uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes is also a big promoter of eugenics. He's, he's the guy who advanced racial purification, um, programs inside of the United States at a more advanced rate than anybody ever, ever did working with the Rockefeller Foundation, these different eugenics groups in, in Britain, like this guy was 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 bad news. So they're saying, okay, we've come to a place where just allowing ideas to just freely flow, just like allowing, you know, they're saying, since the 1970s, since we like liberalized the economy, and we had a, a 
you know, a free market deregulated world economy that produced a bubble economy that's going to collapse. That's not legitimate. So we need to create regulations on the economy to restore order. So, so too must we regulate and restore order on opinions and impose scientifically approved opinions and, and illegalize scientific, unscientific opinions. Um, whoever defines what the, the scientific consensus is, they don't talk about because, well, that would, that would overthrow the entirety of just a, uh, just a little bit of a, a, a break up there but it wasn't too bad it was like like three or four seconds and we we may have lost uh matt's audio uh matthew can you hear us okay yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's reconnecting he's, he's reconnecting he's well, v, v in addition to that in terms of the um orchestrated events and the things that were ignored we cannot forget about the boston uh bomb- bombing right where yeah um um, both the assailants, at least one of them, had been under FBI uh, monitoring, surveillance. I think Russia even sent a an intel wire over to the United States that, hey, by the way, you should probably watch this dude because um, we think he's not, he's he's up to no good. And then uh, also the Orlando shooter who was you know being monitored by the FBI like a couple of weeks, a month leading into um what what he did so yeah it's time and time again that we witness these uh orchestrated events that we we just the fbi just completely ignores mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again it's like the same playbook yeah but the average sheeple that are out there they're too busy updating uh their instagram accounts and their facebooks and and they're paying they're, they're on the or they're on the nine to five grind they don't pay attention folks the intelligence agencies and the plutocrats, and oh, let's just rename them the kleptocrats that have been pillaging the world, mm-hmm. okay, before the world that was, you know, the world that they were pillaging was mostly of mud huts and whatnot. Well, their color revolutions and their coups and their false flags have been turned full force. It's like Operation Gladio is in full effect, Matt, and it's in full effect in the United States, in Canada, in the UK. In the European Union, into in the entire Western world's a battlefield because these guys know it's it, it, they're going for broke. Why are they going for broke? Every law, if you really follow it, and, and look, I get paid to follow the money, right? It, it, when you follow the money here, right? Every single law that has been written by these people is designed with one explicit thing uh, in mind, and that is wealth extraction. Okay, every bit of power they glean utilizing a pretext, right? Every little bit of tyrannical power that they get, use, utilizing a false flag, a pretext, a, a juxtaposition saying that you know white supremacy is the greatest threat to mankind, blah, blah, blah. That power grab is there only to extract wealth. And that wealth, they're not interested in dollars. They're interested in assets. And that's what they're going to do because they are on a, they're on a, on a go for broke at this time because their system is falling apart and they know it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is interesting, too. And, you know, and, and what you're saying brings in this whole great reset logic of stakeholder capital or yeah, stakeholder capitalism. Yep. And that only like a, a select few, a, a, a coterie of good Davos billionaires are going to be permitted to have access to ownership of things, which is like everything. And everyone else is going to rent those things that they used to own um, in this new, you know, this new Green New Deal ethic. And th- this came through a lot um, as well in the um, 
during the G7 and the, and the NATO summit the day afterwards before uh, Biden and Putin met, which was a completely delusional program where they, you know, these guys are, are looking at the growth of this new alternative paradigm founded upon real wealth creation from Russia and China. We, we've seen the most incredible rates of, oh, of yeah. construction of large scale projects, uplifting people out of poverty. Um, the, I mean, a new, a new policy towards terrorism that we'd never seen enacted before in human history, which works damn well, which is why it's being so attacked by the West, which is in regards to how China is treating its radicalized uh, segment within the Uyghur population, which instead of just bombing uh, another country or putting people in Guantanamo bays, you actually have the creation of trade schools galore. Um, the, you know, the, the quadrupling of GDP per capita yes. and, uh, and the building of big infrastructure projects. Um, across the entire uh, Xinjiang region, so that's also why they're being attacked. Yep, my my, uh, my phone's about to die now. No worries, you're fine. The G uh, coming out of the G7, they're saying we need a clean, green New Deal on the one hand, a, a green global BRI to counteract the BRI, and uh, <laughs> coming out of NATO, they're saying, okay, well, we need to focus our attention now on Russia as the new. Uh, sorry, folks, the, the attention on China, where we were form, formerly giving all of our uh, our hate to Russia. Now we have to you know, reorganize. And, and they actually believe, and this became clear when you, uh, when you heard um, Biden's speeches after he met with Putin. But in the NATO, in the NATO uh, program, their new protocol is called directly in the most aggressive way for extending NATO's authority to the political front from being simply a military program from the Atlantic. They're saying now it has to be political and military and, and extend all the way into the Arctic and also the Pacific. Um, Isn't that amazing? Times as like one of the biggest threats to the neoliberal order. Yeah. And they're going to say, well, China, uh, Russia, we can reduce the tension. And Biden even said that um, Putin wants to be popular. Like he, he's actually in his, in his speeches, he's saying like, Putin is afraid of how the world sees them and they want to be a part of <laughs> He said that, uh, and Jen Psaki backed this up when she reiterated the president's views. She said that uh, um, we, we believe that Russia feels squeezed by China, <laughs> that they're afraid of China and they share this giant perimeter or border with China. And because China wants to become the world hegemon, they think that's what they're they're really projecting a lot here. You know, they're such idiots, bro. Yeah. You know, they, they get that from very, from a, a handful of think tanks and roundtables that have formulated that thought. And, I, and every person that I've encountered in my professional life that says that and I'm like, where did you get that idea from? And when you when you break when you, when you take the time to break down that idea, they realize how stupid it is. Yes. <laughs> Dude, it's unbelievable. You know what's happening here, Matt? There's a there's a term real quick. You know, you were talking yeah. about the the renting of everything, right? Yeah. My buddy Crypto Cowboy, he sent me a link about the the an economic term called rent seeking, and I completely forgot about. it. I'm like, man, I heard about it, totally forgot what the hell it meant, and I thank him for sending this to me. It's it's rent seeking. Tell me if this is not where we are at right now in this country. This is exactly where we're at. All right here we go. Rent seeking. Rent seeking is a term, right? It's a, it, it, what it means is the effort to increase one's share of existing wealth without creating new wealth. Rent-seeking results in reduced economic efficiency through misallocation of resources, reduced wealth creation, loss of government revenue, heightened income inequality, and potential national 
decline, mm-hmm. right? It yeah. attempts at the, at the capture of regulatory agencies to gain a coercive monopoly, which can result in advantages for rent seekers in the market while imposing disadvantages on their incorrupt competitors. This is one of the many possible forms of rent-seeking behavior. This is v, we are turning to a rent-seeking economy, man. Yeah, V. Uh, Michael uh, Hudson and, and Pepe Escobar has broken that down a couple different times on podcast. Yeah, it's pretty oh, interesting really? theory. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, brilliant. There you go. That's that, that's the rent-seeking man. There, yeah. there it is. It, it, it derives from yeah, like people like Francois Quesnay, um, the the French physiocrats, who uh, they all basically defined wealth as purely being something material that you extract. And they define your human, like human beings, in no different terms than you want, than a farmer would define their cows. And in that sense, you know, your your whatever uh, corn you have on your land is just as you know, it's it's the same caliber of value uh, as your your peasants, your serfs that are on the land, and you just extract that wealth. And you know, I, I was I was reading a, a document a little while ago that was also going through how a lot of these concepts. They, 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 they couldn't hold up in the face of obvious examples of progress, of, of dirigism that were being uh, developed in France, where there was like an idea that, no, it, wealth is about what you can create by long-term thinking, building big canals, educational programs for orphans, giving people trade skill, like real trades and, and real, real skill sets that are employable in a higher, in a higher way than than a cow could ever dream. <laughs> um, so that was like pr- proving to be so effective that the the physiocratic schools doctrines weren't really taking hold, especially in the United States, the early USA. Um, it was becoming clear that, you know, the, the founding fathers for the most part recognized that they needed to have big infrastructure projects, manufacturing, so that they could develop a full spectrum economy instead of always being subject to the whimsy of the British East India Company that had control of the international trade corridors. So you had to produce locally for yourself, right, to be able to then trade fairly. And so this was then tweaked a little bit in 1776 when Adam Smith produced his Wealth of Nations. And even though Adam Smith says nice things in the Wealth of Nations, that makes sense. A lot of the core assumptions about the nature of wealth, the nature of the nation state, um, are the same carryovers from the, the, the physiocratic school that all basically said, uh, you do what you're good at if you if you have uh, a lot of land, you don't need manufacturers. You don't need to build infrastructure if you have if you're if you get your wealth from cotton because you have a lot of cotton in your in your territory. So let other people who already have manufacturing that can transform the cotton into, let's say, clothing, let them do that because they already have that. So basically, as a way to get everybody to just get get stuck on whatever because they can make more money that way in the now. And it was very myopic. It got. It, it was basically designed to keep everybody's minds in a in a tight little matrix, in a little little cage, so that they would not think outside the box as an open system to create new sets of wealth that couldn't exist if you didn't build, you know, a twenty year Erie Canal or a, 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 a you know a giant railroad network or something like that. That that would require. It would be expensive. It wouldn't be worth doing. Other people already do it. So why do you need to do it? And it, it would have just enslaved and, and helped to reabsorb the USA back under this international behemoth, this this hegemon yeah. of the British Empire. So, you know, today we're at a very... Sorry. C'est la vie. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the accordion is... It's a catchy thing. I, I... It is uh, very nice. It reminds me of my time in Montreal when I was sipping the café at the latte and uh, eating foie gras. It's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Mango from um, Saturday Night Live. 
I used to hate the sound. <laughs> yeah, of course. The sound of the accordion. Yeah, it does. You're it right. It. it was like, like, there's something about it that's just pulling me forward. And <laughs> something about it that pulls just me forward. In my head, I, I can't help but listen to the accordion all the time. <laughs> it's so pretty. <laughs> you, you you both are confused. It's Taco Tuesday, okay? <laughs> oh, it's Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> is that Taco Bell? It is. It is. <laughs> oh man, we we don't have very many Taco Bells in Montreal, so it's not it's not uh, a charm that I was I was. Well, find a local taco place and demand they do Taco Tuesdays. Okay. All right. I'll have to expand my uh, <laughs> my my passions. Um, you know, I made the mistake of going to Montreal mm. and not eating the French food. I made a terrible mistake. I didn't have the, that, that much time. I was there for like you know, four days. You have in Montreal is poutine. That is that's true. There's no other. There's no yeah. French restaurants. There yeah. is no. I mean, the, the Quebecois feel it's ironic, and I, I will get back to the issue of geopolitics in a second. But as a momentary segue, it's an, a weird irony that I've only kind of partially understood that there's an antagonism emotionally between the 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 French of New France of Quebec and yes. the old France of France. Um, there's the, the, I don't know why, but there's a hostility, an emotional hostility. Um, maybe because there's an insecurity complex here where they, they, they don't feel like they're their own people. I'm not too sure where this comes from, but they take pride in not the same way Canadians take pride in not being American. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's, that's one of the core fundamental aspects of most Canadian identities because they've been brainwashed by the British is that I'm not American though. You sound, you know, you watch the Simpsons, you have the same sort of cultural matrix, but that's your view. You're not American. Um, the, the, you get the sort of similar dynamic with the, the French of, of Quebec. So, and then the, the people in, in France or the people in the United States are like, what, what's the problem? <laughs> like, why, why are you there with you? Um, but yeah, that maybe we could even have a, a show that it, it expands on that in the future. Cause I do actually <laughs> have some theories, but other, otherwise back to the geopolitical situation, oui. that's exactly the insanity is that they think Joe Biden's handlers. And I say handlers um because he there's nothing there they actually do believe that there are these imaginary fissures between uh china and the and russia and that they could rather than risk a nuclear war which they'd rather not do that's like the lowest on the desirable options for the uh the unipolar fanatics you know because obviously you risk blowing up a lot of the the things you want to rule including your yourself yeah um, so rather than go with that option their view is the greater long-term threat is China, which it's true. Like China's playing, it has a much more integral controlled economy. They've got a lot less infiltration. Like the Russian central bank has a lot more uh, Western liberal uh, tentacles permeating its deep state. Cause there, there are, there is still a deep state of Russia. Uh, Putin is, is great. He's got a, a strong team of collaborators, but there are definitely people like the mayor of Moscow is being set up to become a prime minister. Um, this guy's a definite Western puppet. You mean uh, Hunter Biden's buddy over there? Yeah, in Moscow. Yeah, you got all of these nasty things that Putin has to deal with. Whereas in China, they've been able to keep themselves as a whole country since they didn't submit to their Gorbachev operation in 1989 when they kicked out uh, Zhao Ziyang, the the former head of their their CCP, uh, who was the George Soros stooge. We talked about that, I think, the other week. Um, so China was able to maintain that they kept control of their national bank. They kept the bank separation between investment and commercial banking. So they, they're the only country that still has glass steel separations. And thus they have a lot of control over where their capital is invested for long-term projects. Whereas Russia has a lot more difficulty doing that. So in the minds of these Western geopolitical, uh, planners, they're of the view, okay, we got to now focus all of our attention 
on fifth generation warfare of every category to just undermine China and hopefully seduce Russia into some sort of a honeypot by allowing them, allowing, right? So condescending to build the Nord Stream into yes. Germany, yes. Uh, you know, maybe allowing them a little bit more into the, the inner cool club of the G7. Maybe we'll make oh, it so cool. cool. The insolvent seven, really 30% of the GDP and falling. And, when, and once you take out all the, the fake reshuffled paper debt, that they that they push out there as assets, that thirty percent of GDP drops to like ten percent of GDP. Let's go in with the cool boys, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And forget the fact that Russia has something like a hundred billion dollars immediately in trade with China. The U.S. It, U.S. Russian trade is something like twenty billion. It's a fifth of that. Uh, Russia and China have a strategic uh, security architecture that's that they've both committed to. Um, the 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 heads of both countries have reaffirmed again and again and again that they're they're the only two people that they they really trust in the entire world and for good reason and they're working on military uh, technology exchanges uh russia's helping china immensely in their defenses they're working on space development developing a, a joint lunar base together um since soon there won't even be a space station i mean that you know so they're they're actually on a much higher level of thinking than these very very myopic uh, Western geopolitical analysts uh, presume, because again, it's all projection. And uh, and it's sad, it's pathetic, but they're trying, they're actually trying to do this. Um, how far they're going to go? I mean, I, I don't really know. They're definitely planning some, cra it's going to get probably crazier before it gets better inside of the United States. Um, as you said, there are a lot of signs, a lot of red alarms that something is going to be triggered, whether it's going to be blamed on China this time. I don't know. Uh, but definitely something is being uh, set up to really uh, advance full hog this new Patriot Act. Uh, oh, yeah, people. Absolutely. And, and they'll say it's some white supremacists who got some chemical weapons from China who was working with the Wuhan people. And they came out with this uh, Wuhan bioweapons lab and they released it in Detroit. Blowing up everything. And then on top of that, it's pretty interesting that you mentioned the whole Russia and, and Saki and the handlers and all that stuff. Hmm. It's really interesting because I remember back in the 90s, I was reading a novel by the famed insurance salesman who doesn't know jack shit about military affairs whatsoever and all the books that he writes about. Everything works so effectively and efficiently and perfectly that nothing goes wrong. I'm talking about Tom Clancy. Hmm. Okay. Tom Clancy's book, The Bear and the Dragon. Okay, if anybody wants to pick that up, it's about a war between China and Russia. And what happened is that the Chinese looked upon the Siberian portion of, uh, of Russia and said to themselves, my God, it's filled with all sorts of wonderful resources. And we decided to go in there and uh, help the Russians out fight against the communist Chinese and the Red Scourge. That idea that the insurance men got, the insurance man also known as, the insurance salesman also known as Tom Clancy has gotten, was directly from a think tank that was headed by a group of people, one of which happens to be, drumroll please, Steve Pesenek. Mmm, the Q-man himself. Yes. Matthew, real quick, you know, you mentioned the, the, the Patriot Act, and I think what most people have to understand is that the Patriot Act 2.0, which is uh, documented by uh, Whitney... I can't remember what her last name is, a uh, journalist with, with so-and-so. It's going it's gonna, to it's gonna, it's gonna include... You know, not only uh, biometrics, but potentially, you know, DNA in terms of how it relates to the medical side of it. So it's going to encompass all that and how they incorporate COVID into this. So it's basically going to be the Patriot Act on steroids. 
Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it plays so, so much into this whole uh, merging of human beings and artificial intelligence and machines as part of this whole transhumanist ideo ideology of bringing back a new technocratic serfdom, basically, right? Of keeping full controls on your local cows um, and, and managing the herd so that they don't out get too numerous uh, beyond the whatever accepted uh, mathematical number or computer models say we can sustain uh, on behalf of the technocrats. Um, so who are, who are living happily in their castles and they know their place, they're happy doing their orgies in the inside and then we're, you know, just living in squalor with just, en just enough to keep our noses a little bit above water until the masters say we're not useful anymore. So yeah, it's a real nasty uh, doctrine. And I mean, it, it's a romanticized view too that has no bearing in reality because when you actually look at these feudal periods, these medieval periods that are romanticized by these lords and ladies of uh, the black nobility, you know, the Prince uh, Charles type of code networks up there, um, they romanticize the, the medieval period. That's why they call their organizations things like the round table, because they romanticize King Arthur's round table, you know, and no, it was actually not even all that great for the, the elites themselves. They didn't have soap. Uh, they, they they died also, you know, even the the rich barons would, you know, die at much higher numbers at much younger years, um, living in really cold, frigid, un, you know, <laughs> like they didn't have the benefit of any technology. Uh, no, you know, they didn't have running water. So it was it's it's not good. All of these things that gave us access. to And they bathed like once a year, man. They yeah, that's why these people in like France have like layers of makeup on and wigs because they had lice and like they didn't basically perfume that they yeah, just like disgusting. It was disgusting. And it, it, it's like it, it's funny, man. If you look at the West, right, during that time, streets were covered in poop, it stunk out there. The the nobility, the aristocrats, they bathed once a year to the point where if they actually put their bodies in water, it would sting. Okay. Yeah. And then you go to the cities in the east, and you look at the two of the most wealthiest, most powerful countries in the world at that time that commanded 40% of the GDP of the, the entire planet, which is China and India. Grid cities, yeah. clean, educated, yeah. Yeah. The better-looking women. I mean, you just name it. it. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. It's it, 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 it's crazy. Well, that, But this is the irony of, of the, the parasitical empire system itself wherever it manifests itself at whatever time frame is that it it will use this is why it's so self-contradictory as a system it's so out of whack with natural law because it will utilize whatever discoveries are made by creative moral people it will absorb and try to utilize for their own gain but it, there's nothing within that system that can create anything new as far as discoveries or new new and better technologies that improve lives are concerned they can't do it themselves they don't have that power because all of their creativity their 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 natural god-given creative powers are perverted and inverted towards simply promulgating their own fucked up uh system which is in defiance of natural law and the laws of justice and love and, and creativity that are embedded in the fabric of the universe and that all great minds all great statesmen um understand as a as an article of faith that give birth to their identities and their choices that they make in the course of their lives people like ben franklin it, it it's fire if you read his writings going back to the 1720s as a young man all the way to till his eldest years in 1789 when he organized the constitutional convention it's animated by a burning love for humanity and he was able to use that to to go into and cut through darkness and sophistry which is why, again, like going back to the theme of, of perception versus reality, that's the theme of this that I, that I want to keep in the back of my mind. The oligarchy 
has a delusional perception of what they want reality to be that has no bearing in reality. And reality is something discoverable, but you have to have faith in certain uh, qualities of the universe and of human beings being made good. We're not made as blank slates to be programmed by uh, programmers controlling the computers, the way John Locke said the human, you know, human beings were born blank slates to be written on by an elite. Or Aristotle said something very similar. There is no innate uh, qualities, no essence, no essential character of soul that's there. It's all just to be written upon by impressions of the senses. And then logic creeps up as an emanation of how our sense data, like a computer, is yeah. organized by syllogisms, right? Of of uh, if something has four legs and it barks, it's a dog. But then there's things that might bark with with three legs and still be a dog, right? Dog that got a leg cut off. Does that mean it's not a dog anymore? Um, or, or other things that don't form that don't equate with the formula. So we're something more than a blank slate. And for anybody who recognizes that, they will understand quickly why there are inalienable rights. And why rights like free speech exist because we're made in the image of a creator and can self-consciously self-perfect our own thinking. We can discover flaws in our thinking. We can discover, uh, we can see with our mind's eye beyond the senses into the realm of reason and false reasoning. That's where, you know, Plato is very useful. If people have never read Plato, go and, and go online or, or buy a Plato book of dialogues and read some of that because he's teaching you how do you see the construction of thoughts, right? Thoughts are not material, but you can see with your mind's eye what are the hidden underlying assumptions that that are either good seeds or bad seeds in a tree of ideas with branches. And if you look at the branches, false branches of an argument, you can know that implicitly there are what the, the underlying rotten seeds are. Yeah. Even if the person didn't make it explicit, you could know that they have some rotten assumptions um, because there's a lawfulness to how this works. So Plato's training you to do that. All of the great Platonists like, you know, uh, Thomas More, Erasmus, Ben Franklin, Da Vinci, like they're all using this method and it works applied to every field from statecraft, law, medicine, astronomy, arts, you name it, whatever you apply it towards, it will bear a lot of good fruit. And when you don't, you're easily swayed into believing in the arguments of people like Biden's handlers who want you to believe that free speech is actually uh a poison to the state and and your 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 family because it uh, it allows for bad ideas that radicalize and cause the destruction of your your society if you permit you know so it's it's a fallacy it's a sophistry but people fall for it because they don't know how to see in this platonic way with their mind's eye properly and they don't have the faith in a nature a quality of the universe that is made good and that we're made in the image of that good universe. And evil exists because we have free will and we could choose to be less than what we are designed to be. We could choose to obey and live by by wrong ideas. So we could do evil that way. And But evil is not built into the fabric of the universe. It's it's something else. So, yeah. you know, I'm just saying people should try to read some denser, heavier materials so that they can inoculate themselves and be more effective communicators when you're trying to go in and wake people up in the in the sheep class, you know. And get and them to realize that they're not cheap. And that's the problem here. It's like everybody wants everything in a soundbite. Everybody wants something in um, in you know, a, 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 a graphical uh, display of, of 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 complex explanations. It actually requires work. Yeah. You got to read. You have to read these works by these individuals. And the Rising Tide Foundation.net. You have a, a plethora of information there. And there's an interesting question here posed by the Animate Drummer. 
And the individual wrote in the, in the live says, uh, interesting question, should individual states start making their own trade agreements with other countries to counteract what is happening? I believe, yes. I believe what's happening, Matthew, I think uh, we're seeing a polarization and a balkanization occurring here in the United States where red states are getting redder, blue states are getting bluer, and never the twain shall meet. And I think uh, the best course of action, I said this before, I, I said I, I, I don't doubt a future where Texas will strike an oil deal with Rosneft out of Russia. I don't, I don't, you know, discount a future where uh, um, um, other red states will, will will seek individual trade agreements with uh, with Russia, with China, with other countries throughout the world to counteract what is happening at a federal level. The federal level, they've they've lost it. They've absolutely lost it. I, I tend to yeah. agree with you. Um, I, I I tend to be, um, in principle. Uh, always in favor of, of national integrity against sec secessionism. However, however, there's, that's contingent on certain things. And if, if the, the states are able to individually or together make actual arrangements with other countries that are in alignment with this top-down new paradigm that Russia, China, and the multipolar alliance are driving from a top-down perspective, then it could be lawful. That that could be something which is legitimized in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, one thing to really focus in on is, is California, right? I mean, because if you look at California, if you look at the the attempts, I mean, California has the economy of of several third world countries, right? It's a it's a massive state, and I and I think it's be, it's very much being targeted not only for the removal of the destruction of not only private land ownership. But a complete surveillance state of of controlled oligarchs who want to basically depopulate the state and make it this utopia of their envision. So I think I think California is kind of like the model state of what they want to envision, and they're doing that not only by um, removing all all types of, of of food. You look at the 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 uh, the water uh, problems that are that are having right now in California. Um, that's what's happening, and that's why you see a massive amount of people that are moving out of California right now. But it's by design. They're they're they are purposely doing this to California right now as a model, and um, and other states will will cave to the same agenda. New York, Illinois are not too far behind. I'll tell you right now, they, if they're driving, they want to drive productive people out in droves. They want to drive productive middle class out of their their respective states. The reason for that is this. You're going to have a working underclass, a, a, a low labor. See, what these guys are hoping for, man, in this techno-neo-feudalism that we're heading towards, unless things correct themselves, is that the future sweatshops, and I said this years ago, there's going to be a time where your kids or your kids' kids will be putting together Nike sneakers in a sweatshop in New Jersey. And that's the direction I believe that we're headed. I mean, think about this, right? If you're driving out productive people and productive people leave because they have the means and the money to leave, it's the poor that are going to be struck there, number one. Why? Because they have a dependency. This is the reason why that there are certain individuals in this country that are suing state governments because certain state governments have cut off federal funds during the whole, you know, COVID every week you're going to get 300 bucks, uh, you know, a week. You know that that whole entire stimulus thing. They're they're, they're they're suing state governments to continue that because they said, "I don't want to get back to work. It's too dangerous." The status, the kleptocrats love that because what these fools who want the UBI, who want the uh, the handouts, who want to be on welfare, don't under uh, don't realize is that that's going to be pulled eventually from underneath them. 
And what these technocrats are hoping for is that in the coming bankruptcy of the United States of America, that these kleptocrats will be the very uh, will be on the very negotiating end of the table, right? That they will be the the lords of this neo feudalism, and they will decide on how to pay back a the country's debt to foreign countries, right? And and they will realize how to carve up the land, financialize it, sell it to the City of London Corporation to to use as re, uh, uh, you know rehypothecated as derivatives. And they will have a working underclass of poor that will work for pennies on the dollar for next to nothing yeah. and have a subsistence living. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that's why you're totally – both of you guys are, are making some strong points. And I, I think to reemphasize what, what CJ was saying too about uh, the purpose of their attack on, on California, just because California itself has a history. The re, it was a desert. There shouldn't, there's 39, 40 million people who live there. Um, Canada has a total of 33 million. We have in a bigger country, one of the biggest, I think we're the biggest land area in the world, maybe beside, yeah, after Russia was uh, severed, uh, cut up into and balkanized, we've become the biggest land area. We got the lowest density of people per capita, less than California. California was a desert. It shouldn't have really be, it shouldn't be able to host that many people. But why does it? Because America had this beautiful past heritage and tradition of building giant projects. And if you look at what was done in the 1920s, 30s, especially into the 50s, 60s in California under the first Brown uh, governor, who was a, a big ally of, of JFK. And hopefully, I mean, I'm sure he's totally ashamed. His ghost is ashamed of what his, his son did. Um, you had the building of the biggest dams, water projects, super, I mean, the creation of the Imperial Valley, which became one of the biggest uh, vegetable growing regions in the world in a desert. Like that was a demonstration of what you could do across the board. But the only way that would work is if you continue to do it. They stopped doing it in the 1970s. All of these big products seized up and it just became let's extract whatever minimal diminishing returns of water we can get as our, our population grows. And that created all of these scarcities that were that are currently befalling us. It only works is if you continue to build and they stopped. And that was, you know, we could maybe do a future show on on some of the big water products that JFK was trying to do in the 1960s, um, some of which were advanced, some of which were were thwarted with his death. Um, so that to say they want to crush that, crush the memory of how that was done and and the lesson of the forest fires, of the droughts that they're trying to reinforce through pundits and spin doctors who are constantly repeating this garbage in academia and the media to, to young people all over the world is that. California is a case study of why mankind should never try to change a desert and they should they should just leave <laughs> the regions that are facing fires and drought and just go back to readapt to what nature gave you as an ecosystem. Don't change the ecosystem. So it, it's a it, they're, they're turning something beautiful into something ugly in the minds, especially of young people. Yep. And uh, yeah, they're they're for sure. They, they want to bring in a, a feudal system of sweatshops for the future. Yeah, where everyone's like jacked into a neural link. But we will own nothing and we'd be happy. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, Matthew, I want you to commentate on this. CJ, if you could go to our geostrategic group on Telegram and pull up the article that I just posted over there with the Ellis Air Force Base. Matt, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Wait, oh, Siege. I'll, I'll get you the link, Siege. I realize no, it's popping. It's loading right now. Okay. This is the, the next level of operational special forces. Um, yeah, click that link, Siege. No, the link, man. The link, not the photo. 
There you go. Oh, dear Lord. It's coming up in another screen. Here we go. That's fine. There. Look at that, Matt. Read it. Behold, this strikes fear in the heart. This is why Putin wants to be accepted and loved. This is why he feels left out in the cold. Because he wants Russia to be a part of this. Right here. Nellis Air Force Base hosts the first ever drag queen show essential to the morale and readiness. You know that? (laughs) Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada recently hosted the first ever drag queen show at one of its base's dining and entertainment clubs, according to the base spokesperson. Nellis Air Force Base on the 99th Air Base Wing hosted its first ever drag show. Thursday, June 17th at the Nellis Club, the event was sponsored by a private organization and provided an opportunity for attendees to learn more about the history and significance of drag performance art within the LGBT plus community, ensuring our ranks reflect and are inclusive of the American people is essential to the morale, the cohesion, and the readiness of the military. Nellis Air Force Base is committed to providing and championing an environment that is characterized by equal opportunity, diversity, and inclusion. The Drag Queen Show came to light after the Air Force veteran podcaster BK posted a digital flyer for the event that read, Drag You Nellis, and class is in session. Discover the significance of, of drag in the LGBTQ community at the Nellis Club, it said, and it was scheduled for Friday, and there it is. This is what our enemies fear. They fear. We lose Matt. Yeah, he was on backup battery on his phone and it died. So oh, uh, yeah, he, he probably he's, he's charging up right now. So he probably he probably read this. He saw this and he he went to go vomit. <laughs> the top three Nellis Air Base is a social and professional organization established to enhance the morale, the esprit de corps of these enlisted personnel assigned to the wing and to facilitate cooperation between members of the top three enlisted grades, according to the private Facebook page. The base top three will provide a forum for its members to meet, share personal experiences and expertise. See, this is great, Siege. This is good. Siege, do you still have the video of uh, the U.S. Marines being being told to go go pound sand as they were on, quote-unquote, patrol in Syria? I, I don't. I don't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't save I'll, it. I'll, but... I'll, I'll send you the link because I have it. Um, it's in my. Pro, it's in the the Rogue News profile. I, I, I will go grab it. Where is it? Sukhrable. Did you get him back yet, or he's still gone? No, he's done. He's done. Oh, that's all good. Anyway, it is what it is. It's another day in exceptional stand. Anything else you, you want to cover, CJ? Nope. That's it. That's it. All right. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the show. It's the Geostrategic Hour. Go check out Matthew's work over at the Substack. The links will be in the description box as well as CanadianPatriot.com and the RisingTideFoundation.net. That, that website right there is chock full of amazing reading material. Get your butts over there and learn, learn, learn. The hardest thing you can do right now is to start to read. Start to read. Get Delve into the heavier, weightier subject matters. And then you'll really have a grasp and an understanding of how the world works. Stop thinking in very binary terms, black, white, red, blue, one plus one is two. Get away from all that. Understand the multipolar world. Understand the real solutions that are out there. And with that being said, El Cuco, take it away.